0: why pedestrians do not constantly collide it's the improbable research podcast i'm mark abrams editor of the magazine annals of improbable research this is all about research that makes people laugh then think if you like what you hear today consider supporting us at our website improbable.com Every year, the new Ig Nobel Prize winners give short, informal lectures. They try to explain what they did and why they did it. The Ig Nobel Prizes, you probably know, honor achievements that, yep, make people laugh, then think. The 2021 Ig Nobel Physics Prize was awarded to a team from the Netherlands, Italy, Taiwan, and the USA. The team conducted experiments to learn why... Pedestrians do not constantly collide with other pedestrians. Today, here, you will hear the team members, Alessandro Corbetta, Jasper Mayason, Chung Min Lee, Roberto Benzi, and Federico Toschi, tell about their walking-but-not-colliding research. In non-pandemic times, the informal lectures happen at MIT, the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. But in the pandemic year 2021, the lectures were recorded in hush-hush isolation.
1: Why pedestrians do not constantly collide with other pedestrians? This question is so interesting that has been keeping us busy for the last eight years. It has to do with the so-called crowd dynamics. In crowd dynamics, we study how pedestrians walk. We wonder, how does this very special fluid made of human beings
2: move? Why do we study crowd dynamics? Clearly, a good understanding of the dynamics of human crowds can help in improving the design of urban infrastructures, such as airport, train, or metro stations. It can also make our daily commute more efficient and safer and our leisure time more enjoyable, for example, by helping optimizing the flow of crowds in museums. Reliable crowd models can help automatizing crowd management in a way that it is less intrusive and more efficient. Understanding the dynamics of crowds is extremely challenging. Is it possible to model the dynamics of humans? Are we predictable and do we behave in a reproducible way, at least from a statistical point of view? and how many types of different dynamics are there in different settings. These are all fascinating questions of deep fundamental interest at the crossroad between statistical physics, active matter, mathematics and psychology.
1: As for any physical system, to start understanding crowd dynamics, we first need to measure it. This means acquiring trajectory information from every pedestrian, for instance in a public location, or tracking pedestrians. Now, crowd dynamics is highly variable. It contains many different behavior, and while individual trajectory mostly reflect will, there is highly precious information in large trajectory ensemble. To capture it, we need high quality tracking data in space and time that is anonymous and that comes in sufficiently large volumes to be able to analyze statistical features. This means collecting hundreds of thousands of trajectories we install grids of special overhead sensors that measure depth, that is the distance between each point in the scene and the camera plane. Here you can observe the depth field that we acquired within Indoven train station. Specifically, what you see here is the dense flow of the morning commuters. In the picture, grayscales encode for depth. This means that heads are the darkest point, whereas the floor is white. Thanks to homemade computer vision algorithm, we can use this data to track pedestrians very reliably. Operating on a
2: 24-7 schedule, we can gather large trajectory data set in short times. Clearly, crowds can display very complex behaviors. When moving in a crowd, we constantly do our best to avoid collisions. How does this happen? In order to get a quantitative understanding, we decided to first focus on an even simpler situation. One person walking alone in a corridor. What we did was
1: to look at the motion of a pedestrian along the corridor for several months. What happened is that you can approximate the motion of any single pedestrian in the corridor as a trajectory on average with some fluctuations or noise which make the trajectory fluctuating along the mean. The interesting point is what happens uh, in the case where the pedestrian changes his mind along the trajectory and goes back to its original direction. The level of noise that we measure for all pedestrians is compatible with these rare events and you can observe with the red line the probability that we can predict for these rare events, and this is a non-trivial result.
3: With the description of non-interacting pedestrians at hand, we now can focus on more elaborate situations which can occur in crowds. In particular, we are interested in how pairs avoid each other. The novelty of the train station dataset allowed us to find situations wherein two pedestrians are on a collision course, while not interacting with people them. Based on the custom made interaction graph, we are able to efficiently identify pedestrians which meet those requirements. In the clip pane now, you can see situations we capture. With the solid lines, we indicate interacting pedestrians, while the dotted lines indicate when there wasn't an interaction. Pedestrians were too far apart to influence each other. To get an understanding of the avoidance interaction, we defined an experiment with three measures. We captured the lateral distance between the two pedestrians. When we look now at how the initial distance changes towards the midway point, we see that on average, when the distance was small, people change their path, trying to avoid each other. If the initial lateral distance is significantly large, people don't tend to change their course. If you now look at the second part of the interaction, we see that on average, people don't tend to change their trajectories anymore.
4: To model the avoidance behavior, we use a short-range radial force similar to an approach used in fluid dynamics that prevents particles occupying the same location. But contrary to molecules and particles, people can navigate based on their vision. Therefore, a second interacting force was introduced. With the combination of these two forces, we were able to reproduce the statistics of not only the path maneuvers, where pedestrians modified their path when perceived the lateral distance is less than 1.5 meters, but also their speeds. Simulations matches the modes of walking speeds before and after the encounter and even numbers of collisions. The model agrees with measurements quantitatively how many pedestrian pairs are within 60 centimeters of each other.
1: And so, why pedestrians do not constantly collide with other pedestrians?
2: We started to answer this question looking at simple binary collisions in dilute bidirectional flows. However, the best is yet to come. There is still so much to study and understand about the dynamics of human crowds. We are currently looking at how pedestrians behave in very dense crowds, in cross-flow conditions, in generic flow settings, when boarding or exiting from a train. We are also studying how pedestrians react when illumination is changed or other nudging stimuli are applied.
1: Thanks very much for watching and don't hesitate to contact us.
0: You've been listening, if you've been listening, to a genuine episode of the Improbable Research Podcast. Today, 2021 Ig Nobel Physics Prize winners Alessandro Corbetta, Jasper Chung Min Li, Roberto Benzi, and Federico Toschi told how and why they studied why pedestrians do not constantly collide with other pedestrians. You can see video of this lecture on our website, improbable.com. And one of the other Ig Nobel Prize winners in 2021, you should know, the Kinetics Prize, was awarded to a team that studied how and why pedestrians do sometimes collide with other pedestrians. You can hear them about that in a separate episode of the Improbable Research Podcast. I invite you to subscribe to our magazine, The Annals of Improbable Research. Six new issues a year. Get yourself some back issues, too. Also, get lots of details about the Ig Nobel Prizes, upcoming events, what's in the magazine, and about how you can help and be part of it via our Patreon. All this, and yes, a lot, lot more, at our website, improbable.com. It's possible that Seth Glicksman... Is the improbable production assistant. Next time on this podcast, we'll look at something or other. Until then.
1: Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>